Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Moringa Oleifera is the high nutritional value of the leaves. In one serving of moringa leaves, you can find one hundred and twenty-five percent daily value of calcium, sixty-one percent daily value of magnesium, forty-one percent daily value of potassium. 71% daily value of iron, 272% the daily value of vitamin A, 22% daily value of vitamin C. In total, there are over 90 different vitamins, minerals, or other nutrients in Moringa. Start to feel better today. To learn more, visit youfeellikecrap.com. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Anyone who says that America has lost its innovative edge in technology and manufacturing has not chugged a can of Bud recently. The buzz is back. Well, actually, Budweiser is no longer American. It's now a German outfit owned by InBev, the world's largest maker of suds. But picky, picky. The brew crew overseeing the king of beers knows what we American quaffers want in a can of beer. A new and improved can. Huh? Yes, says the vice president of innovation at Budweiser, we're consciously working to bring innovation to the packaging side of the beer market. He explains that you trend seekers are on the make for new things, so the corporation's container shapers have devised a bow tie can that kinks inward in the middle. How exciting is that? Plus, get ready to bust your beer gut. There are 8.5 fewer calories in the new can. How did they manage that? By magic, which is to say trickery. The bowtie design allows the multi-billion dollar brew kings to short you by putting almost an ounce less of beer per can than you got in the old standard 12-ouncer. But come on, we experienced hoisters of the brewer's art will definitely feel that loss of product, so they can't fool us into paying more for less. Well, that's where their innovative genius trumps our consumer instincts. To keep us off balance, Anheuser-Busch InBev's bowtie can has nearly double the amount of aluminum of its regular can, making the new feel just as heavy as the old. Less beer, more metal. That's heavy innovation, my friends. Oh, one more innovative twist. In case some of you trend seekers try to compare ounces in the new six packs, you will find that the bow tie cans only come in eight packs. This is Jim Hightower saying, if you want honest beer, try the craft brews at your local pub. Are you tired all the time? You feel like crap.com. Are you overweight? You feel like crap.com. Are you unmotivated? You feel like crap.com. 
Do you want to feel better, healthier? You feel like crap.com. Make your move and change your life today by logging on to youfeellikecrap.com today. Learn more. Visit youfeellikecrap.com. Brought to you by youfeellikecrap.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Shocks. This is Barry Lynn. So John Roberts became the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court in 2005. Uh, technically, there was a little less than eight years that he's been uh, serving as Chief Justice. Is it already possible to look at the record of this court and define the Roberts Court? Well, my guest today is, certainly is moving in that direction, and she has a really admirable job looking at the history, the legacy to date of John Roberts. It's called the Roberts Court, the struggle for the Constitution. She is Marcia Coyle. Uh, I've known her for a long time. She's now the chief Washington correspondent for the National Law Journal, and also you may see her as a regular contributor uh, of uh, Supreme Court analysis to the News Hour on PBS. Marcia, nice to have you with us. Great to be with you, Barry. Thank you. Well, from your admirable job uh, to this simplistic question, can you characterize the Roberts Court to date in, say, a single sentence? Ooh, that's that's a challenge. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, that the Roberts Court has a confident, sometimes bold, conservative majority that often acts in not-so-conservative ways. Hmm. A confident, uh, conservative majority that operates in ways that are not uh, always predictable. Right, exactly. Um, Or conservative. (laughs) Or or necessarily conservative, which would be predictably conservative if they're conservatives. Um, During the course of John Roberts' uh, process of being elevated, of course, uh, due to deaths and all of that, we need to get into the weeds here, but... Uh, he was going to simply be on the court. Uh, then it became clear that he could be in a position to become the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Uh, he used an analogy, which uh, I think is, personally, I think is a somewhat unfortunate one, but it's been used by Sonia Sotomayor and others, in explaining what Supreme Court justices do. They are, he said, umpires. They're not batters, they're not pitchers, they're umpires. Is that a fair analogy, or do you have trouble with it also? 
Well, I have trouble with it also. Uh, I think he was trying to find a simple or simplistic way of describing the job as well as trying to convey to the public that justices put aside personal biases or political views when they do that job. I thought during the confirmation hearings for Justice Elena Kagan that that she addressed that uh, analogy really quite well, saying that it it, it tends to make people think you're you're something of a robot as a judge, but there is uh, discretion brought to bear in making these decisions, so you can't you can't really uh, use the umpire analogy uh, strictly. No, and of course, as umpires know, or anybody that's ever umpired even a little league game knows, you are making judgment calls about balls and strikes. And if you don't know that, all you have to do is listen to the parents in the stands, <laughs> and you're going to know there's a lot of judgment, and some people are not going to like it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Is it clear to you as you look back over the history of John Roberts' uh, selection and the way in which that process uh, played out that let's call them right-of-center ideologues or or conservative ideologues wanted this man from the start and that left-wing ideologues, of which I would have to consider myself one, we tended to hem and haw for a couple of weeks and not really figure out how to go on the attack that was eventually but somewhat belatedly joined. Well, that's that's exactly true, and uh, he uh, had uh, sort of a paper trail from the time he served in the Reagan administration, uh, as well as a job in the White House, and then in the Office of Solicitor General, uh, which is within the Department of Justice, that, that showed him as uh, you know quite a, a, a staunch conservative. Mm -hmm. So, yes, he was considered uh, a great candidate by those on the right. And during his confirmation hearings, uh, I think uh, what gave some Democrats in the Senate pause and and led them to support his his confirmation was that he came across very much uh, not only as just extremely bright and Mm -hmm. uh, knowledgeable about the law, but uh, a moderate uh, someone, uh, and I think it was John Yu, who, who uh, right. uh, is very conservative, uh, had at one point said that um, you know he had mastered the art of saying very little but <laughs> saying it extremely well. <laughs> you know, I, I remember uh, CNN back in the days when you know they were covering a lot more than uh, you know missing uh, children and all of that stuff, and they used to have a show that Greta Van Susteren and uh, someone else co-hosted mm-hmm. around noon and I was always o- over at the court when I lo- worked at the ACLU in particular and so they used to drag me over to have debates about all these big issues uh, some years ago when we had a woman working uh, for us we gave her a room and board for free and, and the project she was working on along with her job was to go through these old videotapes of all these shows that I had been on and my wife had been on and one day she, I came home and she said I just found a, a, a tape up at you forgot about and i said who's it with and he said oh the the chief justice of the supreme court john roberts and this is when he was in a law firm right and i you know usually had very contentious uh, debates at that time i'm Mm -hmm. i'm older and more mature now but with him it was it was just as you describe i mean he said he spoke in impeccable english and said 
absolutely nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. But, you know, and he did an admirable job at, at, at persuading people, and he got in with a healthy, healthy margin. In the process, though, eventually there were on cable television what you see now, with Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, everybody. It looks like we're having another presidential race, commercials for and against anyone selected to serve on the court. This can't, in essence, be a healthy way to choose justices. Well, it really isn't, and I'm sure uh, even as big a plum as the Supreme Court is, uh, I'm sure it gives anyone pause uh, to think about getting into the process, which uh, is is just really gruesome and yeah. uh, politically, uh, and it's unfortunate. And I think that's why we've seen some recent proposals uh, by law professors and even some Congress members uh, about you know, imposing term limits on justices, mm-hmm. with the thought that yeah. if you knew that the court was going to tur- there was going to be turnover on the court every so many years, that it doesn't become you know such uh, you know. A, a target uh, for uh, the ideological divide, and um, there's more uh, chance that you're going to have even perhaps more variety on the court or diversity on the court. Uh, but I don't see that uh, getting much traction, to be honest with you, Barry. No, I don't either. Uh, but it still is uh, uh, a really a terrible process, and it makes you wonder if the old days when uh, just some justices <laughs> never even appeared before this right. the Senate Judiciary <laughs> Committee might be the way to go uh, go forward, uh, but I, that obviously is not going to happen. And there are so many factors too that have made it difficult, not, and not just uh, the politics of it, but I, you know, I say even the media. The fact that we televise the hearings right. now has played a huge role in, in how it, how the process plays out, and not always a, a good role. Although I, I I really do believe that the public should be able to see and hear the nominees. But uh, oh no, it's great to hear them, and it's even better if they actually give clear answers without crossing uh, a somewhat blurry, but nevertheless, I think real uh, dividing line of whether the person is commenting on issues and policies that might come before the court or whether she or he is simply describing a political philosophy. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, Marcia Coyle rejoins us. She's the author of a really fine book, The Roberts Court, The Struggle for the Constitution. I'll ask one more question about the John Roberts confirmation battle, and then we'll get into some of the most contentious cases of this court, including, of course, Citizens United. We'll be back for more right here on Culture Shocks. I'm Barry Lynn. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? 
messages about intelligent design. Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Don't be surprised when the global elite confiscates money from your bank account one day. They have already very clearly telling you that they're going to do it. With what just happened in Cyprus serving as a blueprint for future bank bailouts, if you are concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and I will send you a booklet with 10 reasons why gold and silver could be right for you. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the next bank bailout hits. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed-saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American-owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. Imagine waking one morning only to find your family shivering in the dark because you couldn't afford to pay your electric bill. That's closer than you think. You probably haven't heard about this yet because the liberal media has been suppressing what is fast becoming the most shocking news story of 2012. Obama's secret war on coal that could increase your already high power bill as much as 400% in coming months. As shocking as it sounds, it may well be just a matter of time before the lights start going out across America. But here's some good news. There's an underground video at Exposed123.com that thousands of smart patriots have used to end their slavery to the corrupt electricity monopoly. The video at Exposed123.com has already been banned by Google, and the liberal media is doing everything in its power to take it down and keep America in the dark. So watch it now at Exposed123.com before it's too late. Again, that's Exposed123.com. All right, we are back.
back and we're talking about the Roberts Court, at least uh, the first few years of it, uh, close to eight years, this term almost over. John Roberts became Chief Justice back in 2005 and is the subject of the Roberts Court, the struggle for the Constitution by Marsha Coyle, a chief Washington correspondent for the National Law Journal, regular contributor on the PBS NewsHour, and uh, a longtime observer of the courts. Uh, before we get into some of these issues, John Roberts, um, would it have been fair comment for people opposing John Roberts kind of from the left to say, you know, we've looked at uh, Mr. Roberts' uh, family. Uh, Ms. Roberts is the head of something called Feminists for Life, so he wouldn't dare rule pro-choice ever unless he wants to sleep on the couch for about <laughs> six months. Now, the right, I am told by one of your colleagues, uh, immediately got over the abortion question when considering Roberts, precisely making that argument. Don't worry about John. He's married to to the woman who runs Feminists for Life. Is that fair comment for either side? Boy, I, I, I don't think it's entirely fair. Uh, I think that uh, the justices, uh, I believe, trying very hard uh, to put aside any uh, personal biases, any religious beliefs, mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, there, there are certain doctrines that they can look to to, to help them, uh, check those biases at the door. Uh, doctrines like, uh, stare decisis, which is respect for old precedents. Yep. Uh, but some of the justices, uh, adhere or believe in those doctrines more than others. Someone Indeed. like Justice Thomas has no time for stare decisis. No. If he thinks that a line of decisions is wrong, he will, and he has the opportunity, he will get rid of it. Uh, exactly. So I don't think it's entirely fair to say that, you know, Robert's vote is going to be a certain way because of his wife's no. position or his own beliefs. Yeah, I mean, uh, one would like to think that that's the case, and that even if one has a problem, I mean, stare decisis has limits also, the idea that it's settled, yes. uh, because we've seen uh, in the famous Pledge of Allegiance uh, to the United States flag, uh, within two terms, a court that once said, uh, you can force kids to say that, uh, turned around very quickly and said, oops, we made a mistake, uh, let's, right. let's think it again. But speaking of stare decisis, the Citizens United case, and now prior to, like last week, to have even referred to the phrase a 501c4 organization <laughs> would have been unthinkable. It would be like me speaking Latin. But people now know that this is a certain kind of charitable organization. You can give to it. It's not supposed to have as its primary purpose uh, electioneering. And on the other right. hand, uh, you can't deduct the contributions to it like you could to a, a, a C3, your local church or some kind of other charity. Uh, the Citizens United case starts as a question of whether a pay-per-view download of a very anti-Hillary Clinton movie could be paid for out of corporate funds uh, as well as advertisements paid out. And I have to say, Marcia, I was more or less had good, positive, fuzzy feelings about the direct facts of that case then comes a five to four decision. The floodgates appear to have opened. All kinds of campaign restrictions are possibly washed away. Is this any way for a conservative court to conservatively adjudicate? 
Well, I uh, say in the book, and I have uh, also said when asked similar questions, that I think it was a very aggressive decision. Uh, I It's clear from John Roberts' concurring opinion that he knew that this was a pretty big step because he devoted his concurring opinion uh, to why he was uh, basically overruling mm-hmm. decisions that were only about three years old in right. one case. And then even the oldest decision had been reaffirmed by the court uh, at least twice. So this, I think, is an example of a conservative court acting in a not so conservative way. Uh, not only did they ignore stare decisis, but uh, they also didn't show any deference to Congress. Uh, now, I know Congress is not mm. highly thought of right, right now, right. but the truth is, with the law that was really at, at the center of this, uh, the McLean-Feingold Act, that had gone through really an enormous struggle through Congress. And there, there were, there were um, you know, many congressional findings of fact as to how money operated in elections. And yet it didn't really, in the end, mean a thing to the majority in the court. And, and you have to wonder about a couple of things, Barry. Uh, you have to wonder first, you know, did the court just ignore that or not uh, not consider it? Uh, strong enough to overcome a very strong free speech view, or really naive, naive about how money operates in politics. Yeah, I mean, and some of the data that they seem to have ignored, ironically, although it's not quite the same as the social science data in something like Brown versus Board of Education, the desegregation of public schools case, but, I mean, people were trying to say, listen, folks, even if you don't get out too much except to go to the opera, you ought to look at the reality, and the reality was before them. Yeah, that's right. And and one other thing, too, uh, this is one of the cases where I believe if Justice Sandra Day O'Connor had still been in the court, it would have come out the other way. Uh, She was someone who initially uh, did not believe in strong limits on campaign money, uh, but she, over time, came to support those limits. And I think she was one of the I think she was the only member of the court, because today there is no one like her who actually ran for an elective office and served in an elective body. And I think she brought a real-world perspective to how elections actually operate. Yeah, I think in so many ways, whether her decisions or whether the way she looked at and eventually crafted the the votes that mattered in five to four cases... um, she was looking to new ways that did not do a disservice to the past, but also that reflected some sense of, of reality on this, on religion cases, on a whole lot of, of others. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she's uh, and and she said some interesting and controversial things since then. Uh, there, there, <laughs> there seemed, right, what was her most recent remark? I forget. Uh, she questioned whether the court. Uh, with hindsight, she questions whether the court should have even taken the Bush v. Gore case, right. the uh, 
uh, election challenge out of Florida. But, Barry, she didn't say the decision was wrong. No, no. No, And that could be a nuance that actually matters. We're talking to Marcia Coyle. She's the author of the fine new book, The Roberts Court, The Struggle for the Constitution. If you want to take a look at this uh, collection of uh, justices coming and going and what John Roberts has done, uh, this is a very readable, very fair and very engaging work. When we come back, we're going to look at a case briefly that we've chatted about with everybody, including the guy who brought it, the Heller gun case, and see why that having been resolved, the court's not just finding a whole lot of other gun cases. There are plenty of them out there and just picking them up and deciding them, too. That's not quite how they work. We'll be back for more on Culture Shocks. I'm your host, Barry Lynn. Listening to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. Our nation's founders believed that all Americans have the right to worship according to their own beliefs or not to worship at all. So strong was their commitment to religious freedom that they enshrined it in the first sentence of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We call this constitutional guarantee the first freedom. Religion is deeply personal, and Americans must be free to practice without coercion. There must be a separation of church and state. We are on the verge of losing this fundamental freedom. You may wonder, what can I do? The answer is simple. Do what our founders did. Sign your name to a very important document, the First Freedom First Petition. Go to www.firstfreedomfirst.org and sign it today. By standing together, we can send a powerful message to our elected officials. There's been a disaster, and most of you don't even realize the serious concern for all of us. Alex Jones has warned you for years to get the most important supply you can for your liberty, freedom, and security, and that's food. We thought the danger was drought, or food diverted to our gas tanks, or food so expensive that we'd all need financial assistance to afford it, or our food being sold to other countries. But here's the most effective way you'll lose your liberty and security without a fight. Government regulation. The do-it-yourself public services of many LDS Mormon food storage canneries can no longer be provided. This, along with the recent private gardening and farming regulations and additional government control of food supplies and resources, says food is the ultimate priority. eFoods Direct will provide free shipping on all food orders until further notice. Call 800-409-5633 or on the web eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide 
worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Gardeners, here comes another growing season, but don't use last year's soil. Maximize yields in your survival garden with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 is an organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant that provides a broad spectrum of beneficial microorganisms, enzymes, trace minerals, vitamins, and various organic acids. EM1 helps regulate the soil's pH level and its soil microbes, improving moisture retention and drought tolerance. Remember last year's dry conditions? EM1 from Terraganics is safe, chemical-free, and certified for use on all organic farms. It improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, and gives up to 20% more nutrient value in fruits and vegetables and greatly increases shelf life. And EM1 is so simple to use, just mix with water and apply. This year, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. Like him or not, John Roberts uh, is the United States uh, Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Uh, he was born in 1955. Uh, statistically speaking, he'll be around for quite a long time, and he's already started to define this court uh, as his own. Of course, times change. Five to four majorities become four to five minorities. Upon the appointments, sudden deaths, debilitations, or anything else that can happen uh, to Supreme Court justices. But the book we're discussing is The Roberts Court, The Struggle for the Constitution, uh, by Marcia Coyle, Chief Washington Correspondent for the National Law Journal, longtime observer of all of, of this. Uh, so, the Heller case, of course, this is the possession of some kinds of guns in your home, at least in the District of Columbia and presumably further, is constitutional. Constitutionally protected. It's not a violation of uh, the Constitution. And in fact, the Second Amendment, according to five of the nine justices, more or less protects that. So having resolved that, why aren't the justices eager to take up other gun matters, the ones that the National Rifle Association, Gun Owners of America, all the other interest groups that we occasionally chat with on this show, why don't they just look and find those and then they can figure out all the uncertainties. Is it a kind of judicial temperament question, or is it that four justices perhaps can't be sure they could get a fifth person on a question like, well, if you can keep them in your house, uh, can you openly carry them, at least in some places, because then at least people know not to mess with you because they can see you have a gun. Why? There was a case like that they, they passed on. Why don't they take those cases? We, excuse me, we, we really don't know why they don't take a case because they, they never reveal that. All we get is a, a list of cases that say basically denied review and not much more. Uh, but I, I think uh, a couple things might be going on. First, we, we do know from uh, justices' working papers, from the papers of justices who uh, retired or have, have died when they were finally made public, that sometimes, yes, 
they think strategically, if I vote to grant review, and you need four votes out of the nine to get review, will I be able to get that all-important fifth vote? Uh, and so that may be one reason why we ha- we haven't seen it because they don't they're not sure of the fifth vote. The, the other thing is there is this practice by the court of letting issues percolate in the lower courts. Uh, let the lower courts uh, yeah. you know figure out the questions and the answers, and we'll have something uh, that we can take a look at. We 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 get the the combined wisdom of many judges if we let it percolate. Indeed. Uh, and then finally, too, uh, it just may be that they, they don't want to jump back into this. This right now is, is a real hot potato. Oh, yeah. And uh, they, they just uh, may want to stand back and see how things evolve either in the lower courts or if uh, in the state legislatures as well as in the Congress. But I, there really are a number of issues that they eventually will probably have to address. Indeed. And the cases are going to keep coming to the Supreme Court, as you mentioned, yep. the one out of New York did. Uh, and there are others. There's one in Illinois. And, and they raise uh, sort of the, the next step for the court. Okay, the court has defined, you know, what it means, uh, what the Second Amendment means, but it hasn't said yet, how are you supposed to judge whether certain regulations of guns uh, pass constitutional muster? More to come, more to come. And I think in in general, they they do that, notwithstanding something like Citizens United, where it seemed like they were were reaching, uh, even in this court, far beyond it. Now, there's nothing that's uh, upset the right uh, ideologues in this country more than Robert's view in the Obama health care challenge. My neighbor is Chuck Lane, of course, who covers courts and writes for the Washington Post and uh, we were chatting about this the next day, and he said, "You know, when people on a more progressive side say, "Oh, it's great, Robert saved this," but they tended not to read the, the Medicaid expansion piece of it, where of course Robert says, "No, no, you know, of course states don't have to take this on if they don't want to." And Chuck's view, to paraphrase him, was that this will come back to haunt anybody who had a good good feeling on the left uh, about Roberts, because look at what's going going to happen with the voting rights case, a case which has not yet been decided, that this is, that this is the l- way to look at it. And on those standards, federalism, states' rights, John's right with the states. Well, I, I think uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, there are certain areas that I, I think at this point we know John Roberts feels very strongly about. Uh, one of those areas uh, involves race. Uh, he has definite uh, views of race, racial classifications, the government's use of racial classifications. He doesn't like them. Uh, I think in the health care case as well, the opinions, I mean, he did join on the Commerce Clause analysis with his fellow conservatives, and that was a limit on Congress's power. We don't know how important a limit right. it will be, uh, whether Congress would ever do anything again, uh, like uh, you know, mandating the population to do something, although there were hypotheticals given uh, in involving uh, the need for, say, mass inoculations if we were ever the victims of biochemical warfare. Uh, so he, the court did announce a pretty definite limit on Congress's power. On the other side, also, uh, the Medicaid expansion, as you mentioned, finding that 
the expansion was coercive, a coercive condition on the states, uh, it opened the door to states challenging other conditions that uh, are imposed in order for the states to get federal funds. So right now we don't know how far either one of those will go, but I'm sure uh, those are rulings that really do concern uh, people on the left and should concern Congress as of a course. whole, as a body. So. Uh, you know, Roberts, to me, is very much a conservative, and we will see that in this term, I think, in particular, and in future terms. Yeah, well, uh, to, to go back on the, on the race question for a second, Marcia, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you talk in the book about these combined cases, one from Seattle, one from Louisville, yes. Kentucky, the use of race in public school assignments. Uh, but it, it kind of looks that if four justices agree that even for the most benign of reasons, you, you can't even remedy past discrimination by race focus alone, maybe you can't do it at all, even in combination, at least in theory, in combination with other factors. That's the issue in a case called the Fisher case about the University of Texas and a woman who says, I didn't get in because they considered race in part. That's right. In fact, it was one of, like, I think, 15 different factors that the university uh, used. Uh, and uh, I, I do consider the Seattle and Louisville cases another example of uh, an aggressive, not so conservative majority. Both those cities had really made tremendous progress in uh, getting diversity and they, in their school systems, and they were trying to maintain it. There really wasn't much controversy at no. the time. There was no conflict in the lower courts, uh, in, in other cases that, you know, is one of the factors for the court granting review. And the court took these cases. And we saw, I think, very early in Robert's tenure on the court how he felt about race. It came out in a Texas redistricting uh, challenge in which uh, the court, in a 5-4 decision in which he was in dissent, mm-hmm. found that the redrawing of a certain district uh, discriminated against Hispanic voters. He had one of these lines that was quoted again and again. He said, this uh, divvying us up of, it's a sordid business, sordid. this divvying us up of race. And that, I think, was the first signal about how he felt about the uh, use of racial classification. Yeah, indeed, and uh, it is, as you mentioned, uh, quoted over and over again. We'll see if it shows up in the so-called Fisher case. When we come back, we're going to turn away from some cases for a minute and ask Marsha Coyle a couple questions about the kind of things I get emails about, like why don't people just say, look, i got a conflict of interest, what's technically called recusals. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then what about the public's perception of the court? Uh, it's better than Congress, uh, maybe not as good as locusts, so we'll be back for more right here on Culture Shocks. I'm Barry Lynn. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting Talk Radio. G-C-N. Great Talk Radio starts here. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? 
messages about intelligent design. Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. The government's Department of Homeland Security is buying up loads of ammo. At the same time, they're restricting civilians' rights to own and purchase firearms. Can you put two and two together? Infidel Body Armor can stop every round, including hollow points and 308 sniper rounds. Is reasonably priced and fully legal. But for how long? Go to InfidelBodyArmor.com, spelled I-N-F-I-D-E-L, BodyArmor.com. Infidel Body Armor just won't quit. We the people grow cotton, we fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. So, a natural disaster strikes, and out goes your power. You risk losing stored food in electric freezers and refrigerators. Your options, lose all that expensive food and medication, fire up a noisy gasoline-powered generator, or switch now to a propane or natural gas-powered refrigerator from Ben's Discount Supply. Ben'sDiscountSupply.com has a complete line of propane-powered refrigerators, freezers in sizes ranging from a small camper cooler size up to a whopping 21-cubic-foot refrigerator freezer or a 22-cubic-foot deep freezer. In stock and ready to ship anywhere. Ben'sDiscountSupply.com also stocks a full line of solar-powered appliances to get you completely off the grid. Check out Ben'sDiscountSupply.com or call 800-771-7702. That's 800-771-7702. Or click Ben'sDiscountSupply.com for camping, home, or bug-out location. Bank on Ben'sDiscountSupply.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. talking about
about the nine unelected, black-robed, therefore-life justices of the United States Supreme Court. But courts are generally known by their chief justice, including the Chief Justice John Roberts, been there for the last eight years. The subject of the Roberts Court, the struggle for the Constitution, by the Chief Washington Correspondent for the National Law Journal, Marsha Coyle. You know, during, let's get away from the substance of the health care thing, but during the run-up to that, there were all kinds of right and left criticisms of the fact that several of these justices were even hearing the case. In the case of Justice Alito and Thomas, they had spoken to right-of-center groups that had very specific views on this matter, and people on the left said, well, they shouldn't be involved in this. On the other hand, Elena Kagan uh, had been a past participant in the Obama government, not necessarily, and she argued, I thought fairly persuasively, not uh, relating to health care, but why aren't why don't we resolve these in the direction of being super sensitive to claims of past or present conflict of interest? Well, I think uh, there has been a lot of discussion about this and how the justices make a decision as to when they should step away from a case. Uh, the federal law that uh, applies to judges and gives guidance on when they should recuse. Also does apply to the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court, the justices make their own decisions. They're, you know, nobody uh, reviews their decisions. They often don't even explain their decisions to sit or not to sit. Uh, there has been uh, legislation uh, introduced to uh, require the court to develop a process uh, of review for recusal decisions, uh, but so far uh, the justices seem to be very adamant. Uh, some of them have told me that you know they they do consult the federal law, uh, they do talk uh, to uh, outside or internal counsel if if they have a problem. Uh, But for the most part, they're very protective of making that decision and not revealing the reason. And part of the reason for that, one justice once explained, was that, well, you know, what if uh, the the reason has to do with a family member uh, that... uh, Another justice um, may dislike intensely, uh, and you don't want to reveal, you know, uh, why you're going to uh, step aside from the case or stay in the case. Uh, Something as simple as that. Uh, You know, I I believe in transparency. Uh, I think if there isn't something that would endanger your relationships with your colleagues, um, that simply saying I have stock in the company that's before me, sure. and that's why I'm staying sure. out. I mean, that's, that's fine. Sure. Uh, but uh, I think more important, Barry, is the issue of uh, sensitivity to uh, public appearances and even private appearances. Uh, Justices Scalia, Alito, and Thomas uh, seem to have something of a deaf ear about yes. where they appear. You do not ever, really ever hear of the Chief Justice or really any of the other no. justices appearing before really uh, politically one-sided political That's quite meetings. true. 
I mean, That's you do have true. Justice Ginsburg, for example, appearing before the American Constitution Society, yeah. which really is the, a liberal counterpart yep. to the conservative Federalist Society. But those organizations, when they have their meetings, invite uh, lawyers, law professors, judges from both sides. Uh, both oh, yeah. the yeah. I was uh, I, I was very surprised. I'd never heard this story before. Uh, I uh, perhaps through synchronicity or some principle like that, I ran into Bill McCollum, the former Florida Attorney General, longtime right. member of Congress, in the elevator the other day, and we were chatting about kind of the old days when I used to appear uh, when I worked for the ACLU before his committee and all of this. But then I, I saw in the book that. Justice Roberts' wife, who was not able to go to the oral argument, she was out of town in the health care case, gave his, or her his seat, a seat reserved for her, to Bill McCollum. He was the first attorney general to challenge Obamacare in the special justices reserved section uh, there. Uh, not many seats, but she gave him the seat, McCollum the seat, isn't, I mean, this is the kind of thing that I don't even remember coming up during the debate, but it's just, it's odd. It's just a very odd thing. It gives the appearance that something's not right. It, it does. And, you know, uh, I, if I recall correctly, uh, General McCollum explained that the reason he got the seat was not related to health care at all. She has worked for a headhunter uh, organization yeah. for uh, lawyers. Yeah. And after he left the Florida office, uh, she actually placed him in the law firm that he's now in. Yeah, that kind so of makes it worse, doesn't it? Well, I mean, it does, from an appearance <laughs> standpoint. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely is strange. Well. Uh, but uh, there... They do. Maybe it's the isolation. Uh, uh, they're, they're just sometimes they do have this deaf ear. That's, that's all I, I can say about how they are perceived. And I think some of them uh, may not care. And no. I have to think uh, Justices Scalia and Thomas uh, fall into that category, or right. they'd, they'd be much more careful about some of these appearances. Oh yeah, I think some of them really are are much much edgy. This is not Justice Scalia having a debate with the head of the AC. You at their convention because it's clear that uh, they're going to be evenly matched people, and that you know he's not right. he's not doing it. D- does any of what you've looked at, and it is difficult, and you point this out toward the end of the, your book. Uh, unlike people covering the White House, uh, the White House sometimes even the president loves to chat with the press, loves to give them little inside tidbits. That is not what happens for those of you who cover the Supreme Court. So it makes it even more difficult to chronicle their activities and to get ideas about what's really going on behind the scenes. But when you look at the results, as you do in the Roberts Court, in the book, um, can you understand why 56% of Americans disapprove of the conduct of the Supreme Court right now? They're dissatisfied. That's, I think, the highest percentage, at least in modern history, of people who claim to know what the court is. I'm never sure they do. And they don't like it. Yeah, I I do. I, I uh I'm one of those strange people who uh, actually reads the public comments that are are written whenever there's an article in the newspaper or, yes. or online about the Supreme Court and that there truly is a really deep vein of cynicism about the court and 
often in those comments, they come back, no matter what the story is, they come back to Citizens United, they come back to Bush v. Gore, and of course there's there's strong dissatisfaction with the health care ruling. So uh, I think uh, in particular Citizens United and Bush v. Gore, there's a feeling that the court practices at times politics and not law. And that's a, that's a very hard distinction to make right. for the average person. Uh, the court, though, unlike other, uh, unlike Congress, unlike the executive branch or the president, is one of the, is really probably the only body that has to explain its decisions, that it that's puts right. it in writing. That's right. And I mentioned in my introduction <laughs> uh, a comment by retired Justice David Souter when he was asked, you know, how do people judge what the court does? How do they know if it's law or politics? And he basically said, you've got to read the decisions. You've got to read them and decide whether the choice that the court made is persuasive or not. And that's, that's what it really does come down to, you know, whether we believe what they say, right. their reasons for those decisions. It's also uh, good if you can articulate the principles out of which you start. If you're an originalist exactly. like Justice Scalia, you just say, well, I look to original intent, and then uh, I could find plenty of reasons to disagree on uh, whether he found it. But nevertheless, at least he says it. When you turn to the more progressive wing, it's harder to talk about this living constitution. What's it alive from? What What do you take from the past and what do you discard? So it's, uh, it's, it's tough, but if you look for principles, you often can get a better beat on what these guys are thinking. Exactly, and that's what Justice Souter said. He said it's the choice of principles that's really the tough part, and that, and that's why you've got to read it. I I don't know. Is is asking the public to read the decisions too much? Uh, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe the media just needs a better needs to do a better job of pointing out what the choice of principles were in these cases. That's right. Maybe and, more more Supreme Court decision discussion and less about Jody Arias. How about that? Can we agree? I'm with you on yeah, that. Boy. I thought so. I thought so. Okay, Marcia Coyle, thanks so much. The book is terrific. It's called The Roberts Court, The Struggle for the Constitution by Marcia Coyle, the chief Washington correspondent for National Law Journal. You also see her on PBS. And uh, she's been following a long time, and it shows in this wonderful book, The Roberts Court. That does it for today. I'm Barry Lynn. We'll talk again. This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the 
people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. This is KCAA. Hello, I'm Patrick Cavanaugh, co-founder of Agnet West, inviting you to listen to our weekday reports on KCAA radio during morning drive-in at noon. California's number one in agriculture, our 80,000 farms and ranches produce 400 commodities with a combined annual output of $50 billion. It's important to stay informed about our food supply, so visit the KCAA website at kcaaradio.com and click on the Agnet West banner for articles about a subject that affects all of us. Because like the saying goes, if you eat, you're involved in agriculture. Stock market soars, exulted a typical headline in early May when the Dow Jones average topped 15,000. But this index of Wall Street wealth gives a false picture of our nation's true economic health. Yes, the privileged few are doing extremely well, but the workaday many are struggling and falling further and further behind as the jobs market sinks steadily from mere recession down into depression. The monthly unemployment reports don't tell the depths of misery out here in the real world beyond the view of Wall Street and Washington elites. For example, President Obama hailed the news that unemployment dipped to 7.5% in April. Unstated, though, was the stark reality that this good news dip was not due to a jump in job offerings, but to a bad news labor market so weak and discouraging that Americans are dropping out of it or never entering it. More than a third of our working-age population is no longer even in the job market, and only 58.6% of us are employed. Put the opposite way, 41% of the potential workforce is not working, about 102 million people. One more statistic, and it's a chiller. More than 80 million American families, one out of five, report that last year not a single family member had a job. Our people are trapped in a jobs crisis that's sucking the economic vitality out of our nation, but our leaders even refuse to acknowledge it. In fact, corporate chieftains deliberately exacerbate the crisis by hoarding trillions of dollars that ought to be rushed into job-creating expansions. And politicians add to the casualties by gleefully firing hundreds of thousands of teachers, firefighters, and other valuable public employees. This is Jim Hightower saying, 
America's middle class is burning to the ground, while Washington fiddles with nonsense and Wall Street feathers its own nest. It's disgraceful. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Breaking news, breaking news, live from the joint studios here in Burbank, California. I'm Gary Garver, also on W4CY.com in South Florida, KCAA, 1050 AM in the Inland Empire, and Indy100.com. Check this out, an extreme solar storm could hit Earth and put interconnected electrical grids around the world at serious risk. Experts say solar storms could knock out a wide range of electrical utilities needed to keep life in the U.S. and around the world functioning normally, according to scientists at some stupid-ass summit. <laughs> as long as the Gary Garver show is still broadcasting nationwide. Uh, who knows? Republicans have accused the White House of uh, creating the solar storm. Of course. Of course, to divert uh, criticism of all the scripts that the White House has had in the last uh, month and a half or so. Uh, coincidentally, the Ku Klux Klan says the same thing. They do? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's Obama. It's, it's Obama. We put a black guy in, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Anyways, that's Mark White, the goth comedian. How are you, Dark Mark? Yeah. Hey, the last documented solar storm of this magnitude occurred in 1859, right around the time of the Civil War. So. Uh, and you were in high school then, right? Uh, grammar school. I was in grammar school. So when is this already going to start on me? When is this going to happen, Gary? You're going to start on me already. When is this going to happen, Gary? You're going to start on me already. You can leave the effing studio right now. What do you? You're already. You're you're angry already. I like you. And I know why, but I won't talk about it on the air. I'm jealous. I'm jealous of your new haircuts. (laughs) It's very Burt Convy. Burt Convy. 